Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we do pray that you would speak through Tom, you would speak through Geraint, that those who are blind may see and confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, great to be back. Great to see some faces. Um, I won't be fantastic with names, but uh, with a name like Geraint, I'm sure you'll have to ask me more than once how to say mine. So here in, in John 9, we've got a man who was born blind. We see that in verse 1. Given the fact that the man was born blind, it, it, it seems fitting to, to think about the eye, to think about the eye itself. Now, my, uh, I, I'm sure I, I can see some of you are wearing glasses here, but the fact that you're all looking at me says that you, shows me that you can see me somewhat. That in itself is quite an amazing thing. All, all of the connections, everything that is happening in your eye, for that to happen, for you to see this shape and this person standing in front of you and my mouth moving and my hands gesturing, is quite amazing. Yeah? There's, there's loads that we could say about the eye. There's very little I could say about the eye after my little bit of research. But I want to, talk, I want to say three things about the eye. I want to talk about the pupil the retina and then the focus. And then hopefully we'll, we'll see where, where we're going with that as well. So what happens with the, the eye, I'm sure you've, you've all seen this, is you, know, you close your eyes, your, your iris, your, your little black dots, they'll close up, won't they? Yeah, and then when you, when you open up, I don't know, they, they go wide, they go really sort of wide to let it, that, that light in. It's a little hole to enable the light to come in. Yeah? So that's the job of the iris, is to let the light in and to contract or expand, depending on how much light there is available. And then you move then through to the retina, which is at the back of the eye, and the retina turns the light rays into a signal. So what the retina is constantly doing is sort of talking to your brain and telling you the sort of thing that you're seeing, the colours that you're seeing, and that sort of thing. There's this... The retina uses light-sensitive cells called rods and cones to see. The rods are extra sensitive to light and help us to see when it's dark. The cones help us to see colour. And then the last thing with the eye that I want to think about is the focus. So we've, we've thought about the, the iris, the light coming through, the retina talking to your brain, sending those signals. And then the focus, what it does is it, it ensures this... There's not a blurry picture in front of you. Yeah? For some of us, that, that might be sort of deteriorating somewhat. But we, we know what it's like to have that clear shape, that image. All those things are happening. The iris is contracting or expanding. The retina is talking to the brain. And there is focus happening in order for the shape to, to be very clear. My, my brother, but when I'm thinking about eyes and how amazing they are, my brother had to go and see the optician um, to, to get his eyes tested. He didn't have glasses. Um, when he came back, he had a pair of glasses with him. And he was astounded. He came back. His review of the optician was, it's like living in HD. After having his glasses, he was amazed. He, he just, this is brilliant. Now I can see in HD. Because it, it, it's sort of been taken away from him. And he had a sort of tiny bit of, oh, now I can see brilliantly. But the eye itself is an amazing, amazing thing. 
The man in today's story does not know that. Look at verse 1 of John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So blind from birth. This man has never seen his mother. This man has never seen his own hand. This man has never seen his best friends, his siblings. In, in, this, in this day and age, blind people do have, do have opportunities. There are um, accesses and arrangements made for, for the blind. You've got braille, you've got dogs, you've got canes. That's not the case for, for this man here. He had very, very poor life prospects. What does he end up as? Well, the ESV puts it as sort of interchangeable with him being blind, but also a beggar. He's got very, very poor life prospects. So the question that I want to think about today, and we're going to be thinking about the eye whilst we think about this question, is who do you think that Jesus is? We're all here on a Sunday. We've all sung about Jesus. But not what does the person next to you think? Who do you think that Jesus is? How would you answer that question? I wonder how the, the man in this story would have answered that question. He sat on the roadside and he hears the sound of feet walking past him. I wonder if he knew who Jesus was. I wonder if he'd heard the commotion of, of miracles that had been happening somewhere near him. Who did he think Jesus was? And he's, he's got all this strange thing going by. He can, he can perhaps hear the pitter-patter of feet. And the next thing he can hear is a... As Jesus spits into the mud. The man doesn't know that this is Jesus. And... The man has no context to the fact that Jesus then takes up the mud, places it on the man's eyes, and then he's told to go and to wash and to come back seeing. So Jesus anoints the man's eyes with mud and saliva, and he's told to go and wash and come back seeing. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The man hears the conversation Jesus has been having with his disciples and is asked to come over. Jesus spits on the ground, rubs mud on the man's eyes. He then tells the man to go and wash. The man goes, comes back, seeing. Comes back, seeing. At this point, what does, who, who does he think Jesus is now? He's just rubbed mud on his eyes. So he's given him an instruction to go and to wash and to come back in. Probably the whole way there thinking, well, I've got nothing to lose. I might as well go to the pool of Siloam to go and to wash. Might work. Probably won't. And as he washes in Siloam, the mud falls from his eyes and he's able to see his hand. And he's able to, to look around him and to see the world around and now, who does he think Jesus is now? As he's able to see. So what does he do? Well, he, he wants to find this man. He wants to find Jesus. So he runs back, doesn't he? Presumably fairly ecstatic. 
He's just been given sight, presumably with all sorts of thoughts rushing into his mind, desperate to see the faces of those he knows and loves. Running back, this man is asking himself, who is that man? And we're going to think of three ways that this blind beggar answers that question. Three ways that this blind beggar answers that question. The f- uh, sorry, four ways. Because the first way, at the very start of this chapter, if he was asked, who is Jesus? He'd have said, I don't know. I really don't know. I really don't know. And then after this encounter, verses 8 to 12, we see our first conversation. And the first answer this man gives. Following the initial healing in verses 8 to 12, we have the conversation between the man and his neighbours. There's sort of an argument regarding whether or not the beggar was ever actually blind or whether this man was actually that beggar that they all knew. The beggar's sort of saying, it's me, it's me, look at me. You've seen me before, I I used to sit there. This is me. His neighbours are less convinced. He was the same man. He was once blind and it is him who now sees. His neighbours hear this and ask what I would say is, is a fair enough question. Yeah? If, if someone goes and comes back seeing, you're going to want to know how. Yeah? Don't just, I mean, take this as a rule of thumb, don't just accept their word for it. Question them. At this point, I'm with the neighbours. Yeah? Question the man. How did this happen? What happened? What happened? How can you now see? You, you were, you're saying you were sat there earlier, and you've been sat there for years and years and years, and, that, and now all of a sudden, in the space of one, what did you have for breakfast? How can you now see? Well, what does he say? What's his response? Verse 11 The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. This is his first response. What does he call Jesus? In verse 11. The man. So now his, his spiritual eyes, although his physical eyes have been healed, Jesus is slowly working on his spiritual eyes. His iris, his spiritual iris is being fixed. It's being able to, to contract and to expand according to how much light there is in the room. And he's able to say, now I know it was a man. The man. I don't know much more. I know it's the man. Perhaps his spiritual pupils, his iris, have been healed. So that's his first response. The beggar is certainly showing respect to Jesus... But, but doesn't have much more to say other than that. He's a man. That's his first response. And I'm still asking you the same question. On a, on a Sunday morning here, if you were to be asked the question, who do you say that Jesus is? 
son of God. Who do we think that Jesus is? And why do we think he's the son of God? This man in our story here had no idea who Jesus was. Suddenly he's got, he's blind at the beginning. And and Jesus touches his eyes. He's told to go off and wash in a pool. And then suddenly he can come back and he can see. And he thinks that Jesus is the man. He's still got questions running around in his head. And we move on to our second conversation. This has caused a bit of a stir. It's caused a bit of commotion. Now it's not just the neighbours who care about this. Now it's the religious leaders. The Pharisees. Verse 13 to 17. The neighbours could have been present for this conversation. But the Pharisees, the masters and the rulers of the law... Begin their interrogation. Verse 15. They ask him how he is now seeing. You're saying you were once blind. How are you now able to see? It's a fair question. The beggar tells them what happened in the opening scene of this chapter. His answer leaves the interrogators (laughs) divided. Some are absolutely not convinced. You were never blind. You were never that man. They are divided on who this man was who healed healed him. Some are saying that the healing can't have come from God because the healing happened on the Sabbath. However, some are saying how a sinner, someone who's done this on the Sabbath, someone who's done a work on the Sabbath, on the day of rest, a man not from God, how he was able to heal the man. They don't know who Jesus is. The crowd here. They don't know who Jesus is. So they ask the beggar. Verse 17. Have a look at verse 17 of John 9. So they said to the blind man, What do you say about him? What do you say about Jesus? Since he has opened your eyes. What was his first response? The man. What's his response here? The prophet. So what Jesus has done, he's he's healed his physical eyes. That's amazing. He's healed his spiritual iris. He started to allow the light to be able to come in. Now he's working on the retina. Now he's working just at the back of the eye, the spiritual eye. And he's, he's fixing all these connections that, for the man, were loose. This part needs to be plugged in over here. This part needs to be plugged in over here. He's working on the retina. He was able to say, this is the man. Now he's able to say, verse 17, this is the prophet. I can see a bit clearer. This, this is the prophet. That's, that's the man's response here. The prophet Something is happening in this man's heart. Now, where did, where did the man wash? What, what did Jesus tell him to do? Verse 7. Washing the pool of Siloam. Do you, do you see next to Siloam, you've got in brackets there, which means sent. Yeah? John, John the Gospel writer... 
John, the John who wrote this book, is taking a bit of time to, to bring our attention to that. Okay? It doesn't just say, uh, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, so he went and washed and came back seeing. He takes time to emphasise it. You know, if John was writing on a computer, he'd be putting that part in bold, he'd underline it, he'd put stars on the sides. Yeah? So Jesus is telling him to wash in Siloam. What does Siloam mean? What does John tell us that Siloam means? Sent. He's told to wash in the pool that means sent. Jesus, the sent one, from the Father, the Father's sent one, tells him to go and wash in the pool that means sent. Yes, this fixes his physical eyes but the miracle here that I want you to see is that his spiritual eyes is what Jesus is working on for his spiritual eyes to be opened for his spiritual iris to see for his spiritual retina to be able to talk to its brain this man needs to wash in Christ needs to wash in Jesus Needs to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. Needs to be washed by the King of Kings. So, who do you say that Jesus is? We've seen the man, he said, the, the beggar said that I think he's the man. Now I think he's the prophet. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's interesting, we won't spend much time on it, but there's a conversation between the parents and and the Pharisees. And the the parents essentially are asked, is this your, can you verify that this is your son and he was blind? Yes, 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 yes. He's our son, he was blind, great, great. How can he now see? We've no idea. We've no idea, absolutely no idea. And what do they do? They essentially throw their son under the bus and say, he's of age, ask him. We want nothing to do with this. Yeah? We want to distance ourselves from this. They've seen what's happened. They don't want anything to do with it. So so often in... So often for me, I'm characterised by the parents. Yeah? When... When I'm in my workplace, primary school teacher, I, I'm, often, I'm often asked, I work in a C of E school, often asked questions about Christ. Often asked questions about, about biblical things. So often I'm characteristic, uh, characterised by the fear of the parents. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, why don't you go and ask? Why don't you go and ask him? Why don't you go and ask him? Uh, why don't we talk about it tomorrow? I'm actually, I'm actually due to teach in an, in an hour or so. Why don't we t- talk about it another time? So often I'm, I'm characterised by the fear of the parents. I don't know about you, but when you're asked, who do you say that Jesus is, with your life, how are you answering that? How are you displaying that in your workplaces, at home, with your friends and with your family? That's the, the lack of conviction from the... The, the parents 
And then we move on then, verse 24 to, to 34. And we see the contrast here. And we, as we see the beggar's courage move from strength to strength. What we've got here is, is the beggar being asked in, in verse 24 by those with all the power, those with all the influence. Verse 24, give glory to God. Tell the truth. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The Pharisees, in their blindness, their spiritual blindness, are calling the beggar to join them in blasphemy by calling Jesus a sinner. It's very clear how they'd answer that question. Who do they think that Jesus is? They think he's a sinner. They are spiritually blind. They need to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. They need to go and wash in the Lord Jesus Christ and have him operate on their iris, on their retina, and to to plug things back into the right spaces. They don't only do this, but they demand this from him, saying that they will remove him from the synagogue if he does not admit to Jesus being a sinner. Yeah? We've seen the the parents' lack of any conviction. Look at the, the beggar's response. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. See the, the power of a personal testimony here. This beggar doesn't instantly become well-educated and a, a great theologian. But my goodness, he's a powerful and strong theologian. My goodness, by giving his testimony, by bearing witness to the truth of what happened, he is a He is a powerful tool for God's kingdom. The most educated people of of that time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they they do not know as much truth as this beggar who has only known Jesus for, for possibly hours. Stephen Fry, Richard Dawkins, they are educated men. Incredibly educated men. You might have people at your workplaces that are incredibly educated men and women. But the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross knew more truth than Stephen Fry. The thief on the cross knew more truth than Richard Dawkins because he knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 27. The, the beggar begins to preach. Why do you want to hear my story again? Do you also want to become his disciples? That's not something you say to a Pharisee. That's, uh, that's, like, walking, that's like walking in Liverpool and, and sort of wearing your, your Everton kit and waving your flag around, isn't it? That is a sure-fired way to, to make some enemies. They've asked him time and time again, can you explain this? Can you explain this? Can you explain this? Did, did you used to watch the Bill 
that programme that used to be on the TV? Or maybe you've got other police shows that you like. You know that scene in the interrogation room where you've got a chair here, a chair there, some, some glass that apparently you can only see one way through, a table in the middle, tape recorder that never seemed to be turned on, did it? In those vital scenes. And you've got the, the police officer comes in and he says to the man, it's usually a man, isn't it? He says to the man, where were you on the night of the murder? And the man says, well, I was, I was so-and-so. And the police officer goes out. He comes back in. Where were you on the night of the murder? Oh, well, I was, I was at so-and-so. Okay. And the police officer goes out, comes back in, offers the bloke a cigarette. Where were you on the night of the murder? I was at so-and-so. He's asked him three times to try and corroborate the story, to try to make sure that the story is the same every single time. We do the same thing in teaching, minus the cigarette, really. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you've got some kids say, oh, this happened at the playground, you say, can you tell me what happened? Right, give it ten minutes. Now can you tell me what happened? Oh, the story's drastically changed now, hasn't it? Now that we've had time to calm down. Yeah? That's what's happening here. Tell us what happened. Okay, we're not sure. T- tell us what happened. Tell us what happened. But the story doesn't change. The pow- power of a personal testimony. I was told to go and to wash and to come back seeing after he anointed my eyes with mud. I don't know how it happened, but Jesus has performed a miracle in my life. That's what the man is saying here. So the man has moved, the beggar has moved from calling Jesus the man to the prophet and then saying that he is someone who has disciples. That Jesus, by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is connecting up those loose nerves, is working a miracle spiritually on this man. But I've, I've not come to Beckenshire Church today mainly concerned about what this man is answering the question. I've come to Beckenshire Church today to ask you, how will you answer the question? Who do you say that Jesus is? I had an amazing answer from, from here. Can you remind me what you said? Yeah. The Son of God. Read with me from, from verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The beggar replies, Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. He is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say that he is the son of man? Do you say, Lord, I believe? Do you call him Lord? Do you say that he is the son of man? Do do you, you see the... 
the weight of that title, the Son of Man, the Son of God, as it was put here. The Son of God. I'm not the Son of God. I'm the Son of a bloke called Peter. Doesn't quite carry the same weight. Son of Peter, Son of God. I think the Son of God is winning that fight. The Son of God, He is divine. He is from God. He is God. He is the Son. He's also fully man. Fully man. So, verse 38. The man said, Lord, I believed. I believe. And he worshipped him. Who do you say that, that Jesus is? Do you say that he's the son of man? Do you say he's the man? Do you say he's the prophet? Do you say, I'm not sure? Do you say, I don't know? This is an important question. This beggar had encountered Jesus and says, Lord, I believe. But he doesn't stop there. What does he do after saying, Lord, I believe? He worships him. He worships him. It is not enough just to get the answer right on the test. But the Christian life is one of worship. It is one of saying, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done in my life. For performing a miracle. For giving me spiritual sight. So that I might see you. That I might know who you are. Thank you for that gift. And what's the correct response to a gift? Parents here will know. When you give a gift to your children, what's the correct response? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The response is thank you. I want to live for you, Lord Jesus. I want to worship you, Lord Jesus. That's what this beggar has so, so right. His answer matches up with his actions. So I wonder for you, how are you going to answer this question? Who do you say that Jesus is? Will you be similar to to how I am sometimes? And your answer may be son of God, son of man. But you are so characterised by fear that there is no worship within you. Or will you strive to worship him out of thankfulness for what he has done in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for the fact that Christ came to this earth to to win us to you. We praise you that the Lord Jesus Christ is, is a miracle worker. And he is the one who gives sight to a blind world. And we pray, Father, that you would... Um, you would help us to take that question seriously. Who do we think that Christ is? And would our, would our response, would our answer match up with our life, with our actions? We pray these things for your glory.
Amen.